listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 23 of the Testudo Times Podcast, the DJ Durkin edition, as Maryland has hired a new head football coach, I decided to do something a little bit special for this edition of the podcast, and in that, I've interviewed two people from the SB Nation family who will know a bit about DJ Durkin's tenure at their respective schools. First, Andy Hutchins of our SB Nation sister blog, Alligator Army, to talk about DJ Durkin's time with Florida as special teams defensive coordinator and interim head coach, and then I talked with Anthony Broom of Mesa Brew to talk about DJ Durkin's time as Michigan's defensive coordinator this past season. It offers you a chance to get a couple of different perspectives on the Durkin hire. We will all have ours, and we'll talk about it with our normal cast and crew in the near future. Hopefully you've enjoyed our coverage on the blog of the Durkin hire. So enjoy these two interviews. I know I had fun making them. Take a listen to see what they think, and of course, go Terps! Now joining us on the Testudo Times podcast to talk about DJ Durkin is somebody who should know a thing or two about him because he was the special teams coordinator, defensive coordinator, and one-game interim head coach at Florida from Alligator Army, Andy Hutchins. Thank you for joining me today, Andy. Thanks for having me. DJ Durkin, we were talking just before we started recording about how the remnants of a DJ Durkin defense is single-handedly got Florida to the SEC title game because of quarterback play. How funny is that now that we're talking about DJ Durkin as a head coach? It's pretty amusing, though. You know, obviously some of the defense is DJ Durkin, some of it's Will Muschamp. But Durkin, obviously the only Urban Meyer assistant who stuck it out the entire time um, with Muschamp, I think. Derek Lewis, tight ends coach, might have been there for a while, too. But, you know, he's not just a Muschamp guy. He's not just an Urban Meyer guy. He's also now a Jim Harbaugh guy. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool thing, I think, that you can say that you've got a guy who's been under some – Pretty high-profile coaches. And a Kevin Anderson guy, too, now, apparently. Yeah. Although I don't know if that's as uh, much of a compliment as Urban Meyer and uh, and Jim Harbaugh. It's certainly a bigger compliment than Will Muschamp. You could say that in some ways. I mean, I do think Muschamp is, you know, it's funny seeing everybody on Twitter recording this the day that he's sort of swirling and maybe becoming South Carolina's head coach. It's funny to see a lot of fans react with revulsion to Muschamp. When I, having been through four years of Muschamp, think, yeah, I'll probably be a good coach. He, you know, he'll learn from a lot of the mistakes he's made, and he'll figure out ways to get better and hire better coaches on offense. And he can't be as unlucky as he was at Florida. So, you know, I, I just sort of throw my hands up, and I'm doing the Boaster shrug right now. You can't see it, but of course, of course not, because we're recording this audio and there's no video. But yeah. let's talk about one of his assistant coaches, DJ Durkin, who stayed from the Urban Meyer regime to Will Muschamp's regime. He started as special teams coordinator then became defensive coordinator, and was a one-game interim head coach. How would you summarize D.J. Durkin's time at Florida? I think you know, passion is a word that you would use. Uh, Durkin was definitely a guy who, and granted, we didn't get to see a ton of practice in the general public, but when you saw him working with linebackers especially, um, he was very much into what he was doing. Uh, and when he was the special teams coordinator, which was a job he lost initially when he was moved to defensive coordinator and then sort of took over over the last couple of, you know, about 14 or so games of Florida's, uh, of my of Muschamp's tenure at Florida, 
uh, he takes pride in what his players do. And I think it was um, evident, especially with the linebackers, that, you know, he taught them well. Uh, I think you could see a little bit of a drop-off in linebacker play from when he went from being just sort of a linebackers coach and special teams coach to being the defensive coordinator, stepping up after Dan Quinn left to uh, return to the Seattle Seahawks. And then I think you could definitely see a drop-off in special teams play from when he was the guy who was really managing the entirety of Florida special teams to him just sort of being one in a bunch of different coordinators. Um, and there was an interview that I, I don't know if I can go find, but it was before uh, the season in which he took back the special teams coordinator position, essentially. And I, it was just an interview. It was just in passing. But it struck me that he was almost personally affronted by the fact that Florida's special teams had taken a step back. And he was really interested in getting them back to the level that they'd been at in 2011. And especially in 2012, Florida had finalists for the Ray Guy Award, finalists for the Lou Groza Award, you know, won a game based on a punt block. Uh, Durkin was a really good special teams coach. I think that's probably what endeared him to Meyer in the first place, uh, given their special teams affinity. So what would he think now of Florida having a dentist for a kicker? I don't know. I mean, I think he would probably uh, have maybe lobbied to get a different kicker on scholarship other than Austin Harden. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I do assume he was at least involved in Harden's recruitment, so I can't say that he bears no blame for Austin Harden being the way he is, and obviously he coached while Austin Harden was kicking. But, I, I mean, I think he would probably find the state of Florida special teams, apart from Johnny Townsend and Antonio Calloway as a punt returner, to be pretty lackluster. Well, he'll have fun with Maryland's punters, I can assure you that. So yeah, what but he, doesn't he have Will Likely, right? He like, does have he, Will Likely if he stays. Yeah, that could be fun. Right? He doesn't have Brad Craddock, though. No. That's a shame. Aussie kicker with right. him. Yeah. So what was he like as Florida's defensive coordinator? I, I, it's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell because, you know, the program effect of Muschamp being, in essence, like the superior to the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of Florida fans – thought Durkin was a little bit more conservative in some ways than Dan Quinn was. Uh, and, you know, the basic difference between a Quinn defense and a Durkin defense under Muschamp was that Quinn called plays one way, Durkin called plays another way. Uh, Quinn was a defensive line coach. Durkin was a linebacker's coach, though I think he had some different roles back at Stanford. Um, you know, I think that Durkin's defense wasn't necessarily worse in any way than Quinn's. And I think that some of the issues that Florida had when it was having issues in 2013 and then early on in 2014 before that defense sort of rounded into form were, you know, things you could chalk up to a bunch of injuries. Dominic Easley was hurt in 2013, which really, really hurt. Um, the Georgia Southern game that everyone likes to point out and say, oh, Will Muschamp's defense failed. They gave up the same yardage to Georgia Southern that every team gives up to Georgia Southern on one week's rest and one week's notice. Uh, Jonathan Bullard wasn't available for that game. And basically, and Muschamp admitted this after the game, you know, that's a scheme that basically takes the talent and tries to run away from it. And that's what Georgia Southern did all day. They ran away from Dante Fowler and basically neutralized his secondary by never throwing. So um, I think a lot of the issues that you could point to with the Durkin defense in 2013-14 not being as good as Dan Quinn's were really just sort of a young defense growing back into itself. A lot of the players who were part of that 2012 defense ended up in the pros or ended up going on to something else. Uh, and Florida didn't really get things going until, I'd say, probably October 2014, as far as getting back to that elite level of defense. 
And I think that Durgan had something to do with that. You know, I think he was probably learning some on the spot. And I definitely think that you could see some ways in which, uh, if you went through tape, you know, maybe he didn't blitz when he should have or blitz when he shouldn't have. But I don't necessarily think that you could say that Durkin wasn't a good defensive coordinator. And certainly I think he's been a great defensive coordinator in some ways at Michigan. I think some of the lessons that he learned at Florida were applied there. So one of the aspects of D.J. Durkin that has been publicized quite a lot and probably sold Maryland's athletic department and Kevin Anderson and Kevin Plank on him was his recruiting acumen. I took a look for a piece I wrote for Testudo Times about who he recruited, and my God, and I'm not just thinking Jalen Tabor, who was going to go to Maryland and then went to Florida. I'm thinking he recruited an offensive lineman that was the number three recruit in the country, and he recruited Will Greer, which I found particularly amusing now that we have the benefit of hindsight. Uh, he was a dynamite recruiter, and I don't think Florida fans could be complaining about that. Florida had some amazing recruiting classes and some great players that he personally helped get to Gainesville. Yeah, I think you could definitely point to, you know, Durkin was the guy who, Florida fans at least, gave a whole lot of credit for recruiting North Carolina to. And North Carolina, DJ Humphreys, Will Greer, Jonathan Bullard, who I think Durkin was really heavily involved with. Those three guys were three, and Greer's not a five-star player, but those three guys are three crucial recruits, uh, guys that anybody, you know, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Clemson, in that region would have wanted to get. And Durkin just went in and sort of made use of Florida's old North Carolina ties. You know, Florida once pulled Chris Leak out of North Carolina, the number one player in the country, essentially. Uh, and that was really his bread and butter, was he was the guy that you sent to go out of state. You know, he did do some in-state recruiting, too, but he was the guy that you could send to go out of state and know that he could relate to whoever. He could relate to the parents, relate to the kid, relate to the high school coach. And he could impress them with his passion and with his acumen. And I think that's something that, you know, is definitely going to translate on the head coach level. I think you, you get DJ Durkin in a room with you and talk to him for 15 minutes, you're going to come away impressed by him, and you're going to come away probably impressed by whatever vision he has for whatever he's selling him. So I, I definitely think that that's going to translate. And we already saw a tweet today from a, a Maryland uh, recruiting visit with DJ Durkin, and it's a day after he's officially introduced. It's yep. really funny. But the thing is, when I looked at Michigan, some of his recruits that he got out of Michigan were Florida guys. So it's really funny how we're thinking of DJ Durkin as more of an out-of-state recruiter, not in-state recruiter in that sense, because for Maryland, for Maryland's purposes, the in-state recruiting and the DMV recruiting is critical to their success. But you figure he's going to be involved with almost everything, especially, I mean, Dwayne Haskins, who was just on the sidelines in Florida, for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he can lock down the DMV. And, you know, I don't think that anybody really has locked down the DMV. Uh, I certainly think that Mike Loxley was a crucial part of it because he's been, you know, renowned for about 10 years now, since back when he was a Ron Zook assistant, as the guy that you go to when you want to get a DMV recruit of any kind. You know, he was the guy that everybody thought was probably going to hold on to Jalen Tabor. I think he was the guy who managed to hold on to Damian Prince, who Florida yes. flirted with for a long time. He has that region on lock. He knows everybody. He knows who to talk to. He knows what to say, knows what to do. I think that that losing Loxley might be, at least in the interim, um, a significant loss for Maryland. But I do trust that Durkin's going to know how to put together a staff. I think he's seen enough from enough different coaches, in, in fact, to know how to put together a staff. So what do you think his prospects as a head coach are, based on what you saw at Florida and what you saw with his def defense this year at Michigan? You know, I think that a lot of Florida media, and yeah, granted, I'm not, I don't really consider myself part of the Florida media in the same sense that 
a lot of the other people do. I don't go to press conferences. I don't see all the different things that practices show. Uh, I, I do go to what I can go to, but, you know, the Florida media were very impressed by what Durkin did after taking over as interim head coach. He was a very personable guy. He took accountability for what he was doing. Uh, Florida had some weird people who didn't want to play in that bowl game last year, basically because we didn't want to have their pro prospects damaged by maybe playing a weird game on, uh, it was a Saturday in Birmingham, Alabama, I, I guess, I don't know. But Durkin handled it all well. He was not in over his head. He wasn't really flustered. He impressed people with his confidence. And I think that everywhere he's been, he's really, at the very minimum, been confident in whatever he does. I don't think he's ever looked out of his depth. I don't think he's ever looked like somebody who's really going to have to struggle to adjust to something. And granted, the head coaching position is a significantly different thing. Uh, we can point to plenty of different coaches who have struggled after being competent or better at any prior level. Will Muschamp, obviously, a pretty good <laughs> Yeah, uh, pretty good example of that. But, you know, I think you know, if you've got a guy who spent four years under Will Muschamp, probably learned some lessons about what not to do from Will Muschamp, you got to feel pretty good about it. And I think, you know, Durkin's also, I think he's 37. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of time for him to grow. He's not going to have the same pressures that Muschamp had at Florida or that, say, Charlie Strong's having at Texas. He's going to get a chance to learn on the job. It's not going to matter. I don't think that much if Maryland goes four and eight next year, three and nine. He's got a little time to build up whatever program he wants to build up, and I think a little bit of patience is probably going to go a long way. But I also think that he might be—he's the sort of guy that I would not be surprised if he gets a turnaround going like that. Do you think that he's the kind of guy who could parlay success at Maryland again? Success at Maryland being relative, considering I'd be really happy if he got eight or nine wins in a couple of years in a row. That would be great. Uh, do you think he's the kind of guy that could parlay that into a job bigger than Maryland? I don't know. I think he's the kind of person who he probably thinks that he can, and I don't think I'd bet against him in some ways. You know, he was a guy who, before taking the defensive coordinator role at Florida, was up in some ways for the FAU job, um, which was open at the time in 2013, and then the Bowling Green job, which eventually went to Dino Babers. Uh, and I think both of those jobs would not necessarily have been great for him and I think it was probably wise to sit out and wait and obviously go from one high profile coordinator position to another you know maintain his stock and then go to a, a school where you know there's at least a whole lot of money the ACC's they're the big tenth there sheesh um, and he's got a whole lot of opportunities to him whether or not that's you know he's obviously I think we can all agree at a mid-tier big ten school for now uh, you could probably even argue that Maryland's toward the bottom of the big ten whether that's going to be his state forever, I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know Durkin's personal history well enough to know. Okay, he's definitely got X, Y, and Z tied to Maryland or the D.C. area that makes him very much the right guy to be there for 15 years. And I think you could see him jump somewhere else, but I don't know where. You know, and I think some of the jobs that he would take, you know, Florida was a job that he would probably eventually take. Obviously, he served as an interim coach once. Michigan's a job that he, I think, would take. Stanford's a job that I think he would take. Those three jobs are pretty well filled right now. I don't know that you're going to see him jump to an entirely different part of the country. I don't see, I don't see him being a candidate at Texas, for example, um, and you know just ditch Maryland. I think you could end up with a guy who's going to be there six, seven, eight, ten, twelve years, and that I think is a really good thing for a program that kind of desperately needs to establish itself as something. You know, I remember. Florida's only real interaction with Maryland on our football field was the Orange Bowl back in 2002, after the 2001 season. And that feels like, it feels like it was forever ago, for one, but it also feels like it was just sort of 
a blip when Ralph Region had Maryland looking really good, playing really well. And I don't think Maryland's been able to get back to that since uh, I think obviously some of the Randy Edsel years were maybe a little more embarrassing than others. But I don't think Durkin, to sort of wrap this around, I don't think Durkin's going to embarrass Maryland. I don't think necessarily he's going to get it to the point where he is the hot coaching candidate, at least for a little while. And so you might get a few years to just sort of build it up and figure out what he's going to be. Is he the right kind of program builder for a program like Maryland? Do you think that taking the job made sense for him based on what you saw at Florida? Yeah, absolutely. I think he was definitely close to being a head coach. Um, And I think even in 2013, he probably could have gone to Bowling Green or to FAU and had some success. I think he was probably waiting for a sort of the kind of job that Maryland is and that it doesn't have the highest profile, but it does have a lot of institutional advantages. Um, you know, it's kind of in some ways like a Mississippi State job that Dan Bullen ended up taking. Uh, you've got some ways to build the job into something big. Uh, and I think the Under Armour money that everyone loves to talk about with Maryland and whether or not Kevin Blank's going to want to spend as much money as I think it's actually going to take to make Maryland the East Coast Oregon, uh, w- that remains to be seen. But, you know, if Durkin hires a really high-profile offensive coordinator or a guy who can come in and maybe make himself a high-profile offensive coordinator, and you can get an exciting Maryland team, I think that goes a long way. And I think you could see him build the defense to go along with it. And, you know, I don't—I I wouldn't bet against him. You know, that's, that's my basic thing with D.J. Durkin is that he's done enough that I don't think anything's out of the question. Thank you very much for joining us, Andy. Uh, man. Florida people talking nice about coaches after Will Muschamp. That seems kind of interesting <laughs> in hey, retrospect. He hired and retained some good ones. What can I say? Uh, On the defensive side of the ball, at least. Uh, yeah, I was about to say the offense. There's still a bit of a Will Muschamp offense there in Gainesville right now, and I feel kind of sorry about that. But regardless, thank you for joining me today. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. Stay tuned after this little fight song interlude where we talk to Anthony Blue Fazenbrew about DJ Durkin's time at Michigan. joined on the podcast by somebody who hopefully knows a thing or two about DJ Durkin and what he's done because the team he covers had DJ Durkin as defensive coordinator last season. This would be Anthony Broom of our sister SB Nation blog, Basin Brew, covering the Michigan Wolverines. Thanks for spending some time with us, Anthony. Of course. Glad to be here. We have a lot to get to when you talk about DJ Durkin, even though Michigan only had him for one season. So when he was hired as Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator, what did Michigan fans expect out of him and what did they get out of him? Well, I think right off the top, uh, what people didn't really realize under the last season of Brady Hoke is that Michigan already had a a top 10 defense with a lot of really good players on it and um, just needed a guy to sort of solidify that. Now, Greg Madison, who used to be the defensive coordinator, slid down to defensive line coach and DJ Durkin was brought in to uh, run the defense and coach the linebackers and, um, you know, great recruiter, uh, has really solid ties to, uh, you know, Florida and things like that. He coached at Florida. Um, You know, uh, Michigan pretty much got what they expected out of him. Um, You know, a a very um, multiple looks on defense. You know, there were times where we saw him run a traditional 4-3. There were other times where um, they used the buck linebacker, which is sort of the the hybrid between defensive end and linebacker. Um, You know, lots of nickel coverage, stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think the main takeaway from what Durkin brought to Michigan was that, uh, just another, 
another Harbaugh guy, you know, a mouthpiece to Jim Harbaugh, someone who, um, you know, is known for squeezing every little drop he can out of the players he's coaching. And um, while they were sort of exposed against Ohio State, I think that was more of, a, you know, OSU just had better athletes than they did. Um, I think overall, Durkin did a really nice job at Michigan. I feel like uh, he he fit in really well. And, uh, you know, he absolutely er- – throughout his career, he's taken each step to sort of earn um, earn a look as a head coach to run his own program. And, uh, you know, he's ready for that. And I think that uh, Maryland's got uh, a nice up-and-coming football mind uh, as their head coach now. How much did Michigan fans, when they realized that Brady Hoke actually had a pretty decent defense, how much of that do you think was uh, – how much was Durkin's uh, defense this year? How much of that was the players that were left over? How much of it was the scheme, or was it uh, a pretty good combination of both? I think it was a combination of both, uh, adding the fact that they had some really good guys on, on the defensive staff. Uh, Greg Jackson and Mike Zordich coaching the defensive backs. I mean um, – I mean, Jordan Lewis emerged in a big way this year. Jabril Peppers emerged in a big way this year. Uh, you had some other guys back there that sort of took a, a big step forward, and uh, defensive back was the strength of the defense. And uh, defensive line was sort of a concern. Uh, they had a lot of guys there, but not a lot of uh, production, a lot of potential, but never never quite lived up to it. And, you know, regardless of some injuries this year, they lost Brian Monet in training camp. They lost um, Ryan Glasgow late in the season. Defensive line was awesome as well, um, and I think a lot of that can be attributed to you know the staff as a whole. I mean, DJ Durkin was pulling the strings, um, making the calls and stuff like that. So I give him a lot of credit there. Uh, Michigan had a very talented defense, and uh, I think Durkin, along with the other guys on the staff, were able to, like I said, squeeze every possible little drop they could get out of them. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't shocking, but it was. Uh, it was nice to see, and I think uh, deserves a lot of props for that. How would you best describe the way his defensive style plays out on the field? You said he uses a lot of different uh, looks, sometimes different schemes depending on the opponent. But how would you, in the briefest way possible, summarize what his defense, what the essence of his defense is? Uh, I think they're they're certainly an attacking defense. It all starts out front, um, up front, I should say. Rotating the defensive line with different pieces. You know, Michigan at one point had about four defensive tackles. They could rotate in and out, and, you know, they come at you in waves, is uh, I think how Pat Fitzgerald put it after Michigan shut them out. Um, You know, very, they like to rotate guys in and out. They like to, um, you know, shut down the pass, make, you know, rush the passer, force the quarterback into bad decisions. And um, if there's one thing Michigan really didn't do this year, it was. Uh, force a whole lot of turnovers, but I, I certainly think that the style of defense that Durkin was able to bring um, certainly lends to a more aggressive style of defense that can force turnovers. Um, linebacker play wasn't great, but that wasn't necessarily his fault. I think they um, like to have guys that are a little more athletic, guys that can get sideline to sideline. So uh, I'd say in a nutshell, that's sort of what Durkin's style would be. Maryland's personnel strength is, at least heading into next season, very, very high on the defensive line, decent linebackers, but basically nobody in the secondary. If you had to take a guess based on what you saw from him this season and how he dealt with the personnel deficiencies he had at Michigan, how do you think he's going to attack his first season at Maryland knowing that he has one particular area of the team where there is not a lot of – and 
this is not, not a lot of talent on a Michigan level. This is not a lot of talent on a pure FBS level. It's pretty bad. Well, I think whenever – and this is sort of a blanket statement. Whenever you have a secondary that is a little weakened, that isn't quite as talented, uh, that's where the onus is on the – or excuse me, the defensive line to um, take a lot of pressure off those guys. You know, if you're getting to the quarterback quickly, if you're bringing a blitz uh, from the linebackers, um, forcing the quarterback into a quick decision – that's where you can sort of offset the deficiencies talent-wise in the secondary. Um, I would expect Durkin and, and whoever he brings in as his defensive coordinator to do that. Um, you know, given the given the shaky state of, of Maryland's secondary, so um, it all starts up front. It starts in the front seven, uh, like you said. That seems to be what Maryland sort of has going for them going into next year. So uh, I think it starts there, and you know, I would expect him. And his staff, whoever ends up filling that out to, you know, hit the recruiting trail pretty hard and uh, bring in as many defensive backs as they can. What do you think are some names that we could see as his defensive coordinator? Um, I mean, gosh, that's a great question. I mean, he's he's worked with so many guys. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure there. Uh, now, if he was to pluck someone from Michigan, I would say maybe Greg Jackson, the defensive backs coach, would be a candidate for that, um, you know, just looking at what he did with Michigan's defensive backs, um, like like I said before, a lot of guys took that step forward, um, sort of outperformed what I guess our expectations for them were. So um, on a on a defense that needs defensive backs and that needs to get as much as they can out of what they have, I think Jackson would be a good fit. I think he certainly earned a look as um, as a defensive coordinator, and even he might even get that from Michigan. You know, trying to replace. Um, trying to place DJ Durkin. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I think you guys might have a little more pulse on that than I would. Um, I know that, uh, like from, from my point of view, I think Jackson, if he was, uh, if he was poached for Michigan would be a pretty good hire. Now let's talk about him as a recruiter. He has been touted as a recruiting whiz guy. That's one of his major strengths. He's recorded, recruited some pretty great guys at Florida Seemed to do pretty well within his one year at Michigan. Uh, Michigan was always recruiting really well, and then it seemed to get even better because of the Harbaugh factor and Durkin obviously being on the staff and having so much recruiting acumen. How how important is that, do you think, for a school that can't quite recruit the same athletes as Michigan can, but for somebody who has that acumen and can go into areas like Florida and Big Ten country and get guys, not to say, of course, he can't recruit pretty well in the DMV. So what's he going to be like as a recruiter at a school that's a step down from Florida and Michigan? Well, the thing that stands out to me most, and this is just from you know, doing interviews with recruits, talking to people that, that know the staff, uh, he's a very down-to-earth guy, a very honest guy, and a very hardworking guy. You know, as recent as earlier this week, he was uh, you know, still making recruiting visits for Michigan, um, and a lot of people were like, well, why would he do that? You know, it's sort of misleading. Well, he's a guy that um, very much has an attitude, and you see it on the field, where his players play to the whistle, he coaches to the whistle, and, you know, until he had signed on the dotted line, he was going to do his job for Michigan. So I think that drive, that uh, his laid-back personality really lends itself to success on the recruiting trail. I think he is a good talent evaluator. Um I think he's very good at uh, at getting kids to buy in. Um, when Durkin and, and Harbaugh and that whole staff was brought in, you know, last year, they had to wait out Harbaugh to finish the NFL season. So 
when they when everything was sort of finalized, it was in the middle of a dead period. So Michigan had about, I think, six to eight spots to fill before National Signing Day and uh, with two weeks to work. And, and they did it, and they did it really well. Uh, Durkin was able to bring in a few guys from Florida late in the process, flip a few kids. So, um, you know, I, I think that speaks to his ability as a recruiter. Now, we don't know how those guys will pan out for another at least another year or two, because that's just kind of how it works. But, uh, you know, a good recruiter at Florida um, has worked with Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh, know, knows the business, knows how to get it done. And, uh, you know, at a school like Maryland, he's going to have to find those diamonds in the rough now. And I, I think there's certainly um, – it's a talent-rich area in the East Coast now, um, more so than it has been in recent years. So um, I think he'll find his fair share of guys. I think uh, – you know, I don't think they're going to pluck anyone away from Michigan or Ohio State per se, but uh, I think they'll find their fair share of players there. In that sense, are you surprised that he said at the press conference recently that he's not going to go to coach Michigan in the bowl game? In that sense, are you surprised now that he's, I guess now that he's at Maryland, he's going to go for Maryland and not do one of those, going to coach in the bowl game, have my eye on both jobs kind of thing? Um, Not really. Uh, I, I think that's uh, I think that's sort of to be expected. Um, it's... Michigan's nine and three. They're not playing for a conference title. They're not playing for a college football playoff spot. So, I mean, in my opinion, if you're not doing that or you're not going to the Rose Bowl, it's sort of a meaningless bowl game. Now, it's not meaningless in the fact that you know your team is still getting 15 extra practices and you know more game reps. But uh, you know, he's the guy that wants to hit the ground running. Um, I'm not 100% sure if he would have even been a lot. Don't want this to sound bad, but I'm, I'm not sure if he would have been allowed back just because, you know, you have an obligation to the school you're working for now. So I think they want to hit the ground running. Um, he's going to want to put his staff together at Maryland quickly. And, you know, it's it's prime recruiting time now. So I'm not surprised. Um, you know, Michigan's got guys on staff, like I said before, Greg Madison, Greg Jackson. They'll be able to hold down the fort until, you know, we don't know how quickly Michigan will name a replacement for Durkin. But. They've got guys there to where they'll be fine. Um, they they respect Durkin enough to let him let him go, let him start working, and uh, you know it's competitive now. He's you know division the cliche, rival. The old cliche: if you're not with us, you're you're against us. So I guess that uh, that's where we're at now with that. Are you uh, so? Let's quickly ask about I guess his offense. He's an Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh disciple. Do you have any guess? I mean, you obviously wouldn't have a lot of intel, but do you have any guess under what his offense is going to look like? Because I think that's the biggest question Maryland fans are asking. Well, uh, what was the, you'd know this the initial sort of rumor more than I would. They were looking for a a guy that was going to bring in a high powered, you know, high point scoring offense and. I don't know if Durkin's going to do that. I, I would expect to see more of a pro-style set. I know that's what fits into uh, Dwayne Haskins' skill set. Um, having, you know, Michigan was looking at him a, a few years ago in the process. So um, definitely a pro-style offense, I would think. Um, maybe not right out of the Jim Harbaugh uh, playbook, if you will. Maybe they'll do a little bit uh, of some stuff with some spread looks there, but uh you know, I, I would expect them to kind of just run whatever, you know, adapt to what their personnel. Um, you know, knowing what I know, I, I would I would assume they're going to run a pro set with Durkin, but um, I guess it really just depends on what they're looking for and the guy he brings in as, as his off, um, offensive coordinator. So finally, based on, again, you had a one year with him, but it was a pretty good year with him. So based on that, do you think he'll be a success at Maryland? 
Uh, I do. Um, and I guess su- success at Maryland is sort of... Yeah, uh, I was about to qualify. Like, are the success at Maryland is seven, eight wins consistently, which is fine with me, but... If, yeah, I mean, success that. is relative. Uh, I don't think Maryland will ever... Uh, no disrespect to the program, but I, I'm not sure it's ever going to be a program that uh, that overtakes Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio State. Uh, I think if you have a guy now that if you can win seven, eight, nine games a, w- a year there, I mean, he's he'll be a god there. And and I do feel like, you know, if he's able to do that, maybe it's a stepping stone for him to do bigger and better things. Um, I certainly don't think it's it's that tall of a task. I mean, if you're winning eight or nine games, you're. I mean, those are three or four losses to the better teams in the conference. And maybe, you know, maybe they do something crazy and upset a few of those teams. And, you know, that's who knows. I mean, look at what Mark D'Antonio has done at Michigan State. You know, that's they were sort of not necessarily a doormat of the conference, but not not so great of a team. And, you know, it, it took time, but he's got them built into, you know, one of the premier programs in college football now. So maybe you have that there now. Um Time will tell. I, I think uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, he needs to get athletes and, and some players in there. But, you know, if you can get seven or eight or, heck, even nine wins out of him a year, that's that's pretty darn good season. Um, and I, I'm pretty comfortable saying right now I think DJ Durkin will be a better head coach in this division than uh, than James Franklin is at Penn State. So. I, was, I was about to say if Maryland is consistently better than Penn State, good enough with me. I'll be totally fine with that. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's that big of a stretch either. Um, you know, so we'll we'll see what happens. I think I think you've got a good up and coming football mind there. He's young. He's only thirty seven or thirty eight or something like that. So um, we'll see what happens. I think it's it's not necessarily the sexy home run hire for Maryland, but it's one that you know. You need a guide to grow with the program, and I think DJ Durkin is, you know, certainly fits the bill there. All right, thanks, Anthony, for your time. We really appreciate it. Of course, anytime.